This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. All eyes are going to be on Hamilton City Hall today. About 9.30 this morning, the LRT subcommittee meeting will uh, start going, well, if they get quorum, uh, it'll start going at Hamilton City Hall. Uh, It's going to be a long session. There are dozens of delegations that are going to be making presentations, both pro and con to this. City councilors uh, are supposed to get some work done today. Uh, staff, uh, Paul Johnson, of course, who heads the uh, LRT project, uh, said that he wanted to get an okay from city council today to move the uh, draft report ahead so the uh, Ontario government can start doing their environmental assessments on all of this stuff and the environmental assessment information that they've already accumulated. But uh, we're not sure what's going to happen. Uh, you can bet one thing, though. The gallery is going to be full from both sides of the issue, and we're going to hear from both of them uh, today. Uh, by the way, we should ju- just mention CHML's Ken Mann will be there through the course of the day today to report on what's going to be going on. Uh, one of the other uh, very interested uh, observers is going to be Alan Bureau, who is the chair of the LRT Advocacy Group run by local residents. He joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to kick things off. Alan, how are you doing this morning? I'm very good, Bill. Thank you. Uh, great. Yourself. Thanks for the time today. This is going to be a very active day, a very busy day. What are you looking to see happen today? Well, it would be nice to see the vote uh, for the environmental assessment um, kind of be pushed through. I don't know with the what seems to be up to now 40 uh, delegations being made. I don't know if that will ever get to that point. Uh, last time uh, this kind of situation occurred with the LRT project, uh, I mean, it lasted, I think, uh, 12 and a half hours, which is exhausting for any individual, whether it be a counselor, a resident, or just anybody on the um, in the gallery. Yeah, but I'm a, you so, may be pining for those days by the by mid-afternoon today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it seems that way. Um, on the books, there's, uh, I, I believe, I counted yes, uh, yesterday evening about 25 delegations, but I'm told 40. So it's going to be a long day, a lot of uh, discussion. I, you know, as long as, I mean, the, the thing what we're looking for is a civil discourse and understanding. And, uh, you know, council has approved this, uh, I believe, 50, 50 times or 52 times since 2008. Every time there's a vote, they approve it. So we'd like to just make sure that, that we move forward because, you know, a lot of times things get diluted. And uh, it, it, as time goes on, it drags, more drags, the less gets done. And we miss target dates. So we're just hoping to push it through today and uh, not push it through, but just have a dialogue and make sure that uh, people are reasonable and that we move forward on this project. The, the, the concern I think a lot of people are expressing, uh, and I had this discussion with Keenan Loomis from the Chamber when he was on the program last week, is is this really, uh, that aspect of the, what you're talking about, the for this thing that the provincial government, is it's not a make or break, it's just part of the process. And it, it's almost uh, at the point where you could probably even classify this as really just housekeeping, something that has to be done. That and, is correct. That is correct. There's so why are, they, of- why are they making such a big deal of it then? I wish we knew. Um, in a sense, there's a lot of uh, people that are, are you know, talking uh, that don't understand about this project. I think council even has, you know, some misdirection in their own understanding of what they voted in the past. So, yes, you're absolutely right. This should be a slam dunk. It's just a process. It's an almost um, legislative kind of administrative process, which should be a slam dunk, should be done in, in pretty simple fashion. Uh, but it seems that uh, we, they need to be reminded that they voted in the past for this project and they need to move forward on it, hence why uh, we'll be there uh, to, to make sure that this occurs. Alan, you've been following this, obviously, very intently over the last number of years now. Uh, do, you, do you get the sense that, uh, that some councillors are backsliding on that support? 
it wouldn't be the first time council backslides on on uh, big projects or any project. Um, so yes, I do feel that. I don't know if it's the political climate. I don't know what's creating this, but uh, you know, a lot of people were. Some councillors were very much uh, for this project, and now suddenly they turn around and and they're not against it, and they're actually attacking it. So it's it's kind of a bit confusing. I certainly, if it was, um, I, it's not in my ward, but if I were. I'd be questioning such a such an, an argument on behalf of my councillor who, you know, in a particular in particular wards who voted for it, and now suddenly are being very obstructive. Um, so it's a bit odd. Um, I'm not sure what to to really make of that. I don't know if it's uh, because the election is coming next year, so they're just riding up the forces. Uh, hard to tell. Well, I mean, there's some politics involved in this as well. <laughs> we, we we've got a legal opinion already that if council wanted to kill this project. Uh, the the lawyers say that they'd have to have a two-third majority. Uh, the other That's side correct. of that that we need to understand, though, is a new city council is not bound by previous council decisions, and they just need a, a simple majority <laughs> vote to kill it. So I, I'm just right. wondering if some people are trying to kick this thing down the road. Uh, but but it's hard to tell because when, you, when you're doing the head count here, we know there are about six people on council that are adamantly supportive of, of the LRT project. Uh, you know, Councillor Collins and Councillor Skelly clearly have come out against this. Uh, Councillor Whitehead says he just wants to make sure it's done properly, but he's been rather skeptical about that. Right. We don't know where anybody else stands on this. That is correct. I think a lot of people, it's it's become a very, very hot topic in the city, and I think uh, some councillors um, don't want to test the water or don't want to put their hands in the fire, um, which is really unfortunate because they have supported. They should be much more adamant about the support. They should uh, also understand that, as you just mentioned, two-thirds of votes need to be, uh, of council needs, uh, are needed to actually terminate this project. And at this particular point, we have, we'll have a lot of issues just doing that. Um, you know, we need to move forward. We, let's not do the Toronto um, kind of um, uh, backslide where for 30 years nothing was being built. Um, we have a lot of people coming into the city. Um, as estimates up to a quarter million people in the next, uh, by you know, in the next 15 years or so. Where are we gonna, where are we going to transport these people? How are we going to do this? This is part of that phase. That is part of the program for a future vibrant Hamilton. Sure, there's issues. There's always issues. Nothing's perfect. If government or anybody does anything, there's at such at such a scale, it's going to have some issues. But um, overall, we're looking for a progressive. Uh, transit system that accommodates as many people, the vulnerable, as much as the newcomers. And when I mean newcomers, I mean the quarter million people that are going to be coming here in the next uh, 15 years or so. So I think we really need to move forward on this. Um, and today should be a, um, uh, a procedural, but they need to be reminded that uh, they voted and let's move on and let's get this done. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. And, and there are dissenting opinions, and we presented those dissenting opinions on this program. Uh, the two counselors to which I referred, Councillor Collins and Councillor Skelly, have appeared on this program many times and told us how they feel about this. There are people in the business community that uh, feel that they are going to be adversely affected by this, uh, this project, if it should go forward. And I, that, frankly, is a problem right now. That's a concern. That's a question we're asking. Is this prob- project going to go forward or not? Uh, one of those that has expressed uh, their feelings about this, of course, is our friend Carol Lysich, uh, uh anti-LRT with uh, Gilbert's Big and Tall Business uh, down on King Street, of course, in the west end of the city. Carol, welcome to the program. How are you doing this morning? Oh, thanks, Bill. I'm doing well. How are you, you uh, Are you going to be down at City Hall today? 
I'm actually sitting in the lobby right now. Oh, good. You got a parking spot then. You're good to go then. I hope you get a seat there too. It's going to be a full um, gallery. Yes, I know it is. Same it's question. Be exciting. I, same question I asked Alan. What are you expecting to see today? Um, uh, honestly, Bill, we are uh, hoping that council will um, vote down the uh, environmental assessment and um, have it go back and um, get re-reviewed, just because. Uh, honestly, we have looked at the um, environmental assessment and much of the information that actually is in there is from 2011. And, uh, you know, five years is a very long time and things change. And uh, so, quite frankly, we were, I was a little bit surprised when I was uh, reading through it. Certainly, I'm not an expert as far as environmental and, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, engineering, et cetera, is concerned. But um, I did, you know, a lot of the information is old, and uh, that's a huge concern. Well, uh, that's the the major criticism that I've heard about this report as well, is mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. there is old information, and there have been, well, at least two variations on the project since then, and uh, are those included in, in the assessment? Now, the, I, I couldn't see much evidence of that at that stage, so I, I, that's that's a legitimate concern here. Uh, mm-hmm. This is going to be a long, arduous day today. We're going to hear an awful lot of people uh, with delegations right now, both pro and con on this. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, I guess council is going to have to vote on something, but not necessarily so. Um, well, it's I'm under the impression that they will should and and need to um, vote on this environmental assessment <clears throat> in order to uh, move the project forward. Um, if if that is the case, so as I mentioned, I mean it is our hope and desire that. Uh, the councillors, um, you know, obviously vote it down and, and uh, feel the need and see the need that it needs to be reassessed. And also, too, Bill, you know, our big concern is with costs. I mean, how can something like this be voted on without any cost ideas whatsoever? And I understand that they will actually bring that forward and present some cost idea today. But, I mean, that to me is a little too late uh, with regards to, um, you know, councillors then having to vote on this environmental assessment. Well, so. yeah, the, 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 here's the concern <clears throat> about, about the report that they're going to bring forward today is with the numbers mm-hmm. on this right now. Uh, they, we've been asking for this for quite some time right now, and the answer was always, well, it's being negotiated. We're trying to find this out. So are, are you telling me now that staff is, is indicating that they actually have those answers and they're going to be forthcoming today? Uh, no, I don't think that they do, actually. Um, it, I just looked at the agenda, and it uh, clearly mentioned that uh, there will be some sort of a presentation with respect to costs. But uh, beyond that, I have no idea. I, I still, to this day, don't don't think that the councillors have any uh, information regarding costs. And that is a huge, huge factor as far as our campaign is concerned. One of the things, and I've, I've told you this when you were here in studio talking about this, Carol, but it bears yeah. repeating uh, since we're getting down to what might be a, a rather important day for this project right now, uh, as far as its future is concerned, is that uh, you're a business. You, you, you've you been down there for many, many years, and, and, and you're concerned about the impact it's going to have not just on the community, but especially on your business. I mean, that's that's where your blood, sweat, and tears have been invested mm-hmm. for many, many years. What are your cons- What are your customers telling you about this? Um, most of the, if not all of our customers are, are dead set against it. Uh, they, uh, they are voicing their concerns and, uh, you know, wishing us well in our, in our <laughs> fight against the uh, project. 
and uh, the consensus is uh, is really strong with regards to an anti-LRT uh, feeling. I mean, and for the exact reasons that we've been campaigning on, you know, cost, lack of ridership, uh, lack of information, no transparency, you know, on and on it goes. And uh, But the destruction alone, I mean, and it's evident with regards to Kitchener as well as what's happening in Toronto. So we know very well that you know, destruction is going to happen. And the problem is the city speaks about trying to mitigate the, um, the, I guess, the causes and uh, the, um, you know, the, the inconvenience, shall we say, of uh, the construction. But honestly, how are they going to do that? <laughs> like, I don't hear any talk about reducing taxes or anything like that. And we hear from Kitchener customers and vendors that uh, they, they, that city has done nothing to mitigate their losses. And many businesses have gone uh, bankrupt. Have you so had- it's a huge concern for us. We've been over here for 64 years <laughs> paying, paying hard-earned taxes to this city. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. And uh, when the city says, you know, it's like, um, well, that's kind of too bad. And they sort of, you know, uh, view it as um, a non-issue, then that's concerning. This is a citizens group of which you're a member, of course, Carol, the, the, yes. the anti-LRT group. Uh, have you had any dialogue at all with city councils? Have, have anybody in your group tried to lobby city councils to try to ascertain what their position on this and, or to try to change <clears throat> what their position might be? Well, as you well know, Councillor Skelly, Councillor Whitehead, Councillor Collins have all been very much um, in support of our campaign. And, um, you know, we've all been trying to work together towards that end. So, um, you know, we do have their support. And, um, you know, I've, you know, obviously discussion continues with respect to uh, a lot of the other uh, councillors that uh, still have are basically undecided. But, um you know, I guess is that what I they're telling you today, that they haven't made up their mind yet? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, you know, a lot of them are still undecided, and uh, you know, and um, I think it's, um, you know, they're they're afraid. I, the main thing is that uh, they don't want to uh, be viewed as refusing this billion dollar. Um, amount of money. But in actual fact, you know, the government is broke. It's our taxpayers' money. So it's really not a gift. It's Hamilton won't see that money. So, you know, to it's just very frustrating. But um, <clears throat> so I think that's the main reason why many, you know, a number of the councillors are sitting on the fence. You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. It's not looking good for Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals, if you believe the uh, the polling numbers. However, governments have been in a position like this before and have pulled victory out of the jaws of defeat, as it were. Could it happen again, in spite of these low polling numbers? That's uh, a topic of speculation, not just in Queen's Park, but I think right across the province these days. Richard Brennan joins us, retired journalist with the Toronto Star, has covered Queen's Park and Parliament Hill for many, many years, and always a welcome guest here on the Bill Kelly Show on CHML. How are you doing this morning, Richard? Hey, Bill. How's it going? Top of the world. Things are going well. Good boy. Uh, give us your read on this. You've been covering politics for a long, long time, I, I, and I know the numbers are looking pretty bleak right now, uh, but uh, there's a, some fascinating discussion going on right now about what might happen a year from now. 
uh, with the, the you've heard the, the, the speculation. Uh, some are suggesting that Kathleen Wynne's going to step down and somebody else will take the, the reins of the Liberal Party into the next provincial election. Others are going to say that she's going to ride this storm out and, and maybe even win again. Uh, mind you, you've got the two opposition parties that are kind of sitting in the wings right now thinking this is going to be our shot. Wait, how do you read the tea leaves here? Well, first of all, she has an approval rating of what, 12%. And I think Richard Nixon pulled higher than that. It's it's, uh, it's after Watergate. Yeah, it's uh, it's outrageous. But anyway, um, there's there's a few things at play here. Uh, she she's not going to step down, and I believe that truly believe that she won't do that. She'll go in this next election, and the liberals, in my mind, are are going to set the narrative, if you will, for Brown. You know, being that he is, a, you know, that he's a Harper, former Harper, you know, backroom guy, you know, or back uh, backbench guy, one of the old boys, you know, with 1950s attitude towards women, and is hiding a social conservative or religious uh, religious right agenda, and they are going to work hard on that. You can see it already happening. There's like two stories or one, I should say, right now in the front of the Toronto Star about him speaking to a, a Cambridge club. It's an all-men's club. Yeah, yeah. Even though women are going to be invited to, you know, his his uh, speech. But, you know, the the seed is planted. And there's been all kinds of those in the past, in the past few months about uh, conservative uh, MPPs kind of going off script and, and doing some kind of weird things. But that's that, to me... Is that's what's going going to happen? And I, I here I'll just kind of give you an overview. I think what what it, the the liberal campaign will be two pronged. It will be it will be a party. They'll you know promote policy and ideas, and that's something that that Martin Kahn and his column in the Toronto Star suggests as yeah. well. Can can they out policy the other two parties? Well. Oh, I guess they drive the agenda. They're the government. They drive the agenda, and plus, you know, they're the government. And, and the NDP uh, has, uh, you know, has certainly put short, forward some policies. Andrew Horvath is, is talking, is kind of talking like an NDPer again. And but so they they'll they'll work on that front, if you will. But at the same time, there will be somebody, not the premier who will be the point person to dismantle Brown's character. And and sometimes it'll be subtle. Other times it'll be downright nasty. And so you've got those two things going on at once. Who uh, who steps up to that role? I mean, you know, in, in well, the McGinty government, he, he had some pretty capable folks like that. In the, in the, you know, Michael Bryan comes to mind right off the bat, yeah. who is very acerbic and, and very effective, I think, in, in getting that point across. Uh, I'm just looking around the front benches in my mind here as you're talking about this, and I don't know that he's got that sort of a, an attack person that can actually go in there and do that. That, that remains a good question. I, I just, I really can't point to anybody in particular at this moment, but they'll find somebody who's willing to stick their neck out. And, and that's, what, that's what their sole job in the next election will be. Now, mind you, we're just, what, a little over a year away from the election? Yeah. You know, that's still a huge length of time. And that, and that gives Brown the opportunity to finally 
show people who he is. Because most people, on a bet, they couldn't tell you who's the head of the, or the Conservative Party, the Progressive Conservative Party in Ontario. And and that's been the biggest knock against him, Richard, isn't it? Well, two, I guess it's two-pronged, really. One is his vacillation on, on a number of issues, and B is the fact that even at this late point, uh, there's not a whole lot of policy coming out here. It's almost as if, uh, I know one of the criticisms I read about him was a couple of weeks ago. They said he's uh, he's just sitting here waiting and saying, well, I'm not Kathleen Wynne, and that's going to be enough to get me elected. Uh, he should probably have a long conversation with Tim Hudak about that. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, and, and yeah, for sure, because Tim could tell them all about it. You just can't, you know, people think, well, you know, she's so low in the polls that she can't possibly win. You know, people, you know, she's hated in some parts. And and, and, and I, I know that sounds strong, but believe me, there are people that can't, just can't stand her. But, but, you know, again, there's a year left, and he's done nothing that I can see to impress people. And and uh, you know and Andrea, I you know <clears throat> I think she's she's they're both you know they're they're both kind of a popular now in the pollings, Brown and her. But as you know and I know, and and I think again it was pointed out in Martin's call, that's very ephemeral. It, that really at this point, it's it's nice to talk about. It's good ch- you know uh, water cooler chatter, but it doesn't mean much. Because you really have to set the table with what you're going to do. Like Mike Harris did in 1995. He told people exactly what he was going to do, for, mo- for the most part anyway, pretty early on. And we're just not getting that from the, from the uh, Tories. And I don't, I don't understand it. It's are, are they gun-shy, Richard? I mean, you know, the, 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 let's face it, let's go back over the last number of elections here. Uh, the popular support and, and the, the, the conventional wisdom, such as it was back in the day, thought John Tory was going to beat Dalton McGinty and actually had a pretty sizable lead, according to what the polls were. And then, he, of course, came up with the school funding issue, and that seemed to turn that around. Uh, we mentioned Tim Hudak a few minutes ago. Uh, you know, Tim with his commentary that he was going to blow out a whole bunch of civil servants, and that really seemed to turn that one around. Are they gun shy now to announce anything? That's, the, I think that in part is for the problem because they've seen what happens if you come out too early. But you have to give some impression of where you're heading, where you're heading, because it's certainly on the uh, electricity file. The Tories haven't really said where they stand except they stand against the government. And you have, you have to give the people something to vote for and not against. How? And I don't, I don't, at this point, he really hasn't laid any cards on the table. So where do where do they go in a situation? And let's go back to the last election when the you know Kathleen Wynne, who again even in that election as we as we just talked about, the, most experts were, were not giving her much of a chance of getting reelected after the she took over and, and and finished with the minority government. She actually won the majority as we now know, uh, but a lot of their support, most of their support, was really around the GTA, the the Toronto, Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville area. Uh, where they got a lot of their seats right now. There's not a whole lot of support for the Liberals in in some rural areas, and certainly not in the northern part of the province right now. So with that in mind, uh, they're going to present their budget in just a couple of weeks here right now. Is this going to be a GTA-centric budget again to try to score some support and maybe increase some favorability ratings in that voter-rich area for them? 
Oh, it'll be more talk about transit yeah. and, and social programs and maybe some money for housing and stuff like. I mean, it's it's yeah, they they'll be concentrating on that area, no question. And I think that again, unfortunately, is going to be where their support lies. So we're really looking at a province that's totally divided politically. You know, we we got you know the the, the big metropolis of Toronto siding with the Liberals, and the rest of the province, you're lucky you've got blue all everywhere else except the center, where, where it's red. And that's not, that's not good politics. It really isn't. And Hamilton, where it's orange. Yeah, but that, you know, that could change, too, because uh, I know that this is, a, you know, a bit unfair. But I think, you know, if anybody stayed too, stayed too long at the fair, it's Andrea. I, I think... Their numbers would have done, a, they'd be a lot better than they are. I know she's popular. She's a great person, really nice person. Mm-hmm. But the point is, I think she should have stepped down after the last election and let somebody new take over because she's had several, you know, kicks at the can. But that's a, that's a whole a, a whole new era for for political parties when they get into that and when they're they're ready to to jettison a leader who they think is is going to drag them down in the next election. Uh, a lot of the time, you have to look around and say, "Okay, what's Plan B here?" And uh, you know, when when Jean Chrétien was musing about stepping down, and the Liberals thought, "Well, he's probably passed his best before date." I mean, Paul Martin was jumping up and down saying, "Pick me, pick me." Uh, so we knew that was going to happen. Uh, but if, if Kathleen Wynne were to step down, I, I, I don't know who else jumps up there. I'm sure there were people that will run, but maybe not even from the party. I mean, Sandra Pupatello is still around, too. But as far as the NDP is concerned, is there a shining knight there that comes to the fore and says, I can lead this party? I think there's a few people. And, again, we, we always say that, you know, and my, including myself here, you know, well, who the heck can replace him or her? But there's always somebody that comes out of the wings, not always, uh, certainly as the uh, federal liberals that, uh, comes out of the wings and, and is and a bit of a savior for the party. And so you'd really, it's, it's, a, it's a long shot, but on the other hand, you have to do that. You have to refresh the party every once in a while. And I think that, uh, you know, certainly with the NDP, I think that's the case. In that vein, then, are you absolutely positively sure that Andrew Horvath will lead this party in the next election? Well, I'm not sure of anything. (laughs) 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 You know, because in politics, boy, the first time you tell someone that something's going to happen, most definitely, that you'll be as wrong as wrong. But uh, I I think, oh, yeah, I think Andrea is going to uh, certainly uh, go into the next election. Again, you know, who's there waiting in the wings? To immediately take over, because you're looking, you know, Bill, we're, you know, we're just over a year away from the election. And stranger things have happened. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see just how the liberals try to stick handle through this. And and I would think then if they have a strategy here at, at this point, Richard, that this budget coming up in a few weeks has to be that first strike where they're going to have to actually uh, cast their die right there and say this is the, this is who we are, this is what we're all about. Well, they're riding, uh, they're you know, putting a lot on the fact that they say that this budget will be balanced. Now, I would believe that if I had a forensic audit done. 
but uh, you know they, they they write that's there's a lot writing on this you know going into the next election that they're going to have a or at least they say they're going to have a balanced uh, budget. It's like the last uh, it's like the ha- last Harper uh, budget. You know they said it was balanced, but boy, you started drilling down, you soon found out that it was it was it wasn't quite so. Here's the the argument that I've heard from, well, Patrick Brown. I just saw Patrick again on Sunday. He was running the Bay Race here in Hamilton. Uh, and, and we've had Andrea on as well. And and the mantra that they seem to be using time and time again is the same one they used in the last couple of provincial elections here, Richard, is, well, the government's corrupt, the government's corrupt, the government's corrupt. And, and, and I'm sure that that plays well to their base, who are going to agree with that anyway, but they're going to vote for them anyway. But but is is that becoming white noise right now when when you mention that because I mean some cynical voters are saying yeah well everybody's corrupt in politics so I mean you know tell me what else is new well yeah I mean it's a, it's it's a bit hackney you know after a while talking about their base if, if I got a minute just a second sure here. sure um, the base now we always used to say you know you know with the, with the uh, federal conservatives and it used to be the same with the uh, provincial progressive conservatives is that they had a base of about 30, 25 to 30% solid. You could, you, know, you could take that to the bank every election. So anything you got on top of that was gravy, and that could possibly put you into government. I don't really think that exists for the Browns, for the Brown team. I really do. I don't think there's the old red Tories... I don't think have a, put a lot of stock in this guy. So I really believe that he doesn't have that base anymore. So he's really going to have to beat the Bushes even more than previous uh, progressive conservative parties had to get to that point where they can at least form even a minority government. In, in, in other words, he's got to sell himself to his own party, not just to the voters oh, of Ontario. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a huge task with only about fourteen months to go before the election. Well, that's you know, and God, and again, I'm not uh, I'm not predicting that it won't happen, but it's going to be tough slogging. There's no question about it. It's just like it's going to be tough slogging for the for the liberals. I mean, twelve percent. I, I know polls are up and down, sideways, and you know you, you can't put a lot of stock in them. But even so, twelve percent—that's a big hole to climb out of. And and you, this is why the, the column that uh, that Martin wrote today was so, uh, so instructive because I mean it, it it talks about not necessarily a way that's where it's going to happen but there is a path for these guys to follow. I don't know if it would be successful or not, but but it it, it I guess indicates two major things here. First of all, uh, there isn't an opposition party at this stage right now that's really grabbed the public's interest. I know you know Patrick Brown seems to when you do these polling he he polls much higher than Kathleen Wynne does right now. But but as you mentioned, popularity does not necessarily translate into votes. A lot of the time, it's people's gut feeling about what's going on, and you know, do I have a job? Do I have some security and things of this nature? And uh, you know, opposition parties can't deliver that. They can promise a lot, but they can't deliver anything at this stage. There's that factor, and there's a factor you never know what's going to be said during a campaign, as we know with Tim Hudak. And John Tory. Yeah, and John Tory. I mean, at least John... We and, and going all the way John, back to Lynn McLeod when Mike Harris yeah. got elected in 95. Well, that, well yeah, because it was, we were told Lynn McLeod was a shoe-in. Yeah. Well, not so much. He just turned out, you know, again, a nice person, but wasn't a leader. And, and, uh, and Mike Harris showed himself to be a leader. 
you know, uh, like them or not, and that's what it was. But but you things happen during a campaign that you can't predict, like Tim's. I'm going to get rid of a hundred thousand jobs. I mean, nobody predicted that. I certainly didn't. And and that and that was you know turned the tide absolutely. I I think the 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 liberals at best you know could have got a minority if he hadn't have said that, or you know, or Tim could have uh, you know gotten into government. Many many factors, uh, as you well know, affect an election. And you know, and some of the goof ups or the crazy things that happen during an election campaign can turn an, uh, a campaign turn the election on a dime. It's going to be a very interesting fourteen months, isn't it? Oh well, it, it's. Well, <laughs> I, I just I, I I'm very 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 I'm always interested, of course, in politics, but. This one I'm very interested to watch and see how the liberals are going to try and turn around and what Brown's going to try to try to do to make his name known and whether the NDP, you know, return to their traditional roots. That's what's going to that's what's going to be fascinating about this. The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from nine to noon on AM 900 CHML.